As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to this podcast from KX93.5. We invite you to tune in for more great music and talk on our grassroots nonprofit radio station here in Laguna Beach, California. No matter where you are in the world, you can listen to our station at kx93.5.com or on our smartphone apps. Right now, here's Awakening Code Radio from KX93.5. You're listening to Awakening Code Radio. Mind-expanding, heart-opening, talking music to raise your vibration. Some people consider it the shifting of the ages. Others see it as a whole new paradigm for humanity. But whatever you want to call it, it's hard to deny that we are in a moment of immense change. A moment challenging us to wake up and live life more consciously. This is Eric Rankin. And I'm Michelle Anderson. And you're listening to Awakening Code Radio. Where the conversation is always about raising the vibration of love, compassion, happiness, forgiveness, stewardship, health, and peace. Thank you for joining the conversation. This is Deepak Chopra. Hi, I'm Marianne Williamson. Hi, this is Greg Braden. And you are listening to Awakening Code. Awakening Code. Awakening Code Radio. And thank you for joining us on Awakening Code Radio. We broadcast out of Laguna Beach every Tuesday night, wherever you happen to be listening to us on uh, podcast or iTunes or possibly streaming right now. You can do that. We appreciate all of our listeners. And uh, our conversations, we call them conversation to raise the vibration. Sometimes they're a little lighter in energy. We talk about healing or um, just all kinds of things going on. We had an astrologer on. We've had people like Greg Braden on and Michael Tellinger talking about ancient history, but tonight we're talking about nuclear waste and how can we move past the true, what I would call a dilemma in energy management, uh, how we have managed nuclear, from building nuclear plants, which we thought was a really great simple fix in the 60s and 70s. It's almost seemed too easy once we knew how to harness atomic energy to heat water, create steam and spin turbines. Uh, to what do we do with the waste after the reactor is either shut down or deemed faulty. And that's what we have kind of happening in our own backyard in Laguna Beach. It's happening all around the world. But it's all around the world. And mm -hmm. we do want to help raise awareness of um, this issue because it is a global issue. It's not going away anytime soon because nuclear waste does not go away anytime soon. And we have some real experts. We're going to let you 
we've got a whole studio full of people. I'm going to let you introduce really, some people. It's really exciting that so many people are popping awake and getting interested in this subject. And when we talked about doing this show with Public Watchdogs, we have we want to welcome all of you here, and I'm trying to look at each person's face. So we have Charles Langley with Public Watchdogs. Greetings. <laughs> that was really good. Greetings. And we have Bob Pope. Hello. <laughs> and we have Nina Babiars. Good evening. And we have our new mermaid who came all the way from Costa Rica to join Public Watchdogs to bring awareness to this. Erica Rose, do you want to say hi? Hi, everyone. And all of our guests, make sure you're right on the mic. If we're gonna, Everyone's jockeying around for uh, a mic to speak into, but if you do, just put your mouth right on it so everybody can hear you really good. And our musical guests. And then we have our musical guest, Larissa Stowe. Thank and you for being here. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. And Benj Clark. Awesome. Do you, can you jump on, <laughs> jump on the mic? Jump on the mic. I, there, I sure can. There you go. And Larissa, not only is just a great musical guest, you've been on every year since we've been on the air for since 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, and now 17. I know. What it a sounds blessing. like too many years. I know. It doesn't even seem possible. Right. I don't know how that's possible. Because we've only been on four and a half years, but you've been on six times. That's crazy. But you are very passionate about this issue, and I know that's why you're down here tonight. So. Yes. Yeah. You've even started a Facebook page as well, in addition to Public Watchdogs. Yes. Uh, uh, along with a group of, you know, dear friends, it's after a yoga class um, that I sang at. My friend Mallory Barber um, hosted this beautiful class, and I sang for it. And then afterwards, we went out to eat and started talking about this. I wanted them, those of us who went out to eat, uh, to really understand what the issue is, because most people don't know. No. Um, how dire this is right now, how important it is to step up. So together, I'm like, if we do this together, it'll be a lot more fun. And this know? is an issue that is going to be playing out in every single one of these reactors around the world. Right now, we're in the hot seat because yeah. we have a reactor that was closed and we have to talk about the waste. But this is going to be an issue all over the world for all of these reactors. And, you know, people are aware of Fukushima. That was a very serious issue that is not going away. Um, but it is something that we should all have our, uh, our antennas up on because the power companies and the governments and everybody else are going to very quietly hope that this just like, ah, no one's going to, you know, kind of do a sleight of hand and let's just see. So Absolutely. There, there's a lot going on. And we also have, um, in addition to everybody that's in studio tonight, we, we invited the mayor of San Juan Capistrano to be on the phone. Is she... Is she does she still plan on being on the phone? Uh, she absolutely does. And okay. she's uh, currently city council. She was She's former mayor. Oh, okay. So she's the former mayor of San Juan Capistrano. But I know she sits on the, the engagement panel that SCE puts on for the community, right? She definitely does. Okay, good. So, so can we start maybe with Charles, uh, head of the Watchdogs? Um, so... Charles, why don't you bring us up a little to speed on our local issue at hand and what you're doing to try and create awareness about it? Well, I think the the big issue that we're trying to convey is that when we were able to shut down San Onofre, everybody breathed a huge sigh of relief and thought, oh, we're safe. And then we found out what they were going to do with the nuclear waste because what it did was it created an overcrowded spent fuel pond or pool filled with basically sizzling hot nuclear waste and they have to keep it underwater and then get it into dry storage and the way they're going about this is 
in our opinion, very uh, almost reckless and, and very dangerous. So we have been working diligently to get them to stop storing the waste on the beach. They are currently planning to put it 108 feet from the beach in large, they almost look like giant beer cans. They're about five feet across and 20 feet high. And each one contains up to 37 uh, spent fuel assemblies. These uh, enormous canisters can weigh up to 500,000 pounds. And they're about as thick as a dime for steel, which is pretty thick, but we're concerned about the, the earthquake risk when they start rocking around in their steel silos. So now the really, really good news is, is that public awareness has reached a point about what's going on there that Southern California Edison has come to the bargaining table and said, you know what, we're willing to look at alternative locations. And this is a totally new situation for them because they've spent tens of millions, perhaps $100 million, building this waste dump by the sea. And the real problem is, is, and I think people probably have an idea that nuclear waste stays around a long time, but it's active for, let's say, how long? Where it's dangerous for how long? The plutonium is deadly to human life for 250,000 years, and I believe the half-life on uranium-238, which is, means it's half as deadly now as when its half-life is, begins, is uh, 4.9 billion years. And, so then the, and then the waste containers that they're proposing to put in have a life of guarantee of how long? Uh, they're guaranteed to last between 10 and 25 years. So we've got something with a, a, t- a quarter of a million years <laughs> yeah. danger factor it, going in containers that are guaranteed between 10 and yeah. 25 years. So, uh, you know, listener, hopefully you're starting to see how, uh, you know, um, these consortiums and the utility companies and governments are kind of just hoping that nobody really notices. That's why your group is called Public Watchdogs, is we're just yeah. trying to raise awareness of this is not a good idea. Yeah, and, and we've been involved in something we call sacred activism. And to us, sacred activism is about consciousness and bringing this stuff into conscious awareness because you can't be aware of what you're unaware of. So we're trying to make as many people as possible as aware of this and then to take action in a very positive and constructive way. Yeah, I, lo- I love what you're doing, which is a little bit new with Erica, sending her out like you're kind of, being the mermaid on the sea, right? The siren that's singing songs and calling people in and drawing them in just to ask them, right? What If they even know what's happening and what's what's been the response? Um, yeah, so basically what I've been doing, what really struck me was how few people were aware of what was going on. And so by going to the beaches and talking to uh, the surf population, the beachgoers, the whale watchers, you know, the, the lovers of, of our mother ocean. And to ask them if they were even aware that this situation was taking place. And yeah, the response was actually um, quite shocking in that they were completely unaware. Uh, and so just to be asking that question and to be raising that awareness has been my goal up to this point. Charles and I had a discussion earlier in the week, and I thought it was it was enlightening in that he was telling us that you were getting this feedback from the ocean goers, and they weren't they weren't getting angry or irate, which is what the response you think this would invoke, right? Like, what they're doing this in our backyard? Are you kidding me? 
but for me, it's a sign that people are actually listening intently. And, and that was why we wanted to do a show around conscious collaboration and how we can all work together to bring more awareness without stamping our feet and screaming and yelling, but just bringing this massive force, kind of like a tidal wave back on itself and saying, we the people for the people think this is not such a great idea and we we really want you to reconsider where you're planning on putting this. It's not the safest location. So it seems to me like you're getting people that are, are finding out and they're not, they're ready to take action now. Do you feel like they're ready to take action? Um, absolutely. And this has been very inspiring for me, especially when I tell people and, you know, you do expect that reaction of outrage and anger. Um, and instead we are being met with people being like, okay, well, what can we do about it? We understand this is taking place. And what we would really like to emphasize is that we're not fighting anyone. This is not a protest. This is not any kind, there's no enemy here. We are not fighting against Southern California Edison. We are not fighting against nuclear waste. We're standing up in support and love for our mother ocean. And I think that this shift from going against something to standing for something is what is raising the vibration around this entire situation because people they don't want to fight. They don't want to get angry. And I think for people to be standing up in love and appreciation is so much more powerful. And that is the basis of the sacred activism that's taking place here. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, we always try and pick music that made its way into collective consciousness and hit radio. This is a song that feels very thematic. It's the wallflowers singing, We Can All Be Heroes. And it even talks about swimming like the dolphins can swim. <laughs> You're listening to Awakening Code Radio.
Hi, I'm Marianne Williamson, and you're listening to Awakening Code Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Awakening Code Radio. Tonight, we're talking about the issue of nuclear waste and what to do with it. We'll go a little later in the show. We'll just kind of go through some of the mechanics of how nuclear reactors work and why they're always next to water and why it's a little iffy uh, and what the problem is here in the United States as far as disposal, because we really don't have a disposal plan or at least a very viable one in place. But right now, we're going to uh, switch to Nina and maybe talk to uh, somebody that has a little more pulse on it down in a local town. Yeah, I, I would like for Nina to introduce our next guest, who's who's a call-in. So, Nina, do you want to set that up for us? I'm happy to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, our mantra at Public Watchdogs is that the public has a right to know. And um, Southern California Edison holds a series of quarterly community engagement meetings, but those meetings have been notoriously controlled in, uh, in a very stringent manner by Edison. And we're very, very fortunate to have... Pam Patterson, former mayor of San Juan Capistrano and current city council member, to be really a public advocate that sits on that community engagement panel. And we can always count on Pam to open up a dialogue. And it's very important that we're able to do that now at these meetings because it's through that open dialogue that we can find some alternatives and solutions to this problem. Perfect. And are you with us, Pam? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for allowing me to join you. Pam, thank you for agreeing to be on the air. We just contacted you yesterday and and asked to do this, so we're so grateful that you were willing to last minute jump on the air with us and tell us a little bit about what you know and what you're seeing in the community. It seems like there's more of a buzz lately, but can you give us a little bit of, of... you know, an idea of what your role has been and, and where you want to take it? Yes, thank you. I actually have been very concerned about the safety of the San Onofre power plant since um, 2003, and it was really um, very fortunate that getting elected to city council in 2014, I was appointed to this community engagement panel because I already had had concerns, and I already had come into a public hearing and voiced my concerns probably 10 years prior. So I think it's it's important to have somebody that really represents the voice of the people. And there are some, we're actually very fortunate to have a very proactive group um, of residents from Laguna Beach, San Clemente, San Juan Capistrano, down in Oceanside, that people that are willing to get up and really speak the truth about the issues concerning that power plant. And so I, and I'm actually very fortunate that now as an elected official representing San Juan Capistrano, I am a member of that community engagement panel. So the public, we're really limited to three minutes to speak, and so you really can't get get the full message out. But with me sitting on the panel now, um, we're actually able to really get a dialogue going. And so there 
in my opinion, there there never was long-term planning involved with respect to this power plant and probably any power plant that's out there because now here we're faced with these improperly stored uranium fuel rods here at the beach in a Fukushima environment and they don't know what to do with to do with it and they're very cavalier they're cavalier about the ratepayers money they're cavalier about our children, the safety of our children, everybody's health, and what are we going to do with it? So, um, so I actually I feel very fortunate that just kind of almost happenstance, I am now on this um, panel, and we've got this amazing group of citizens that are willing to stand up and take their time, do their research. Everybody's so very well educated and you know they've done their research and they are willing to come in regularly and speak the truth so we're I think we're getting we're getting our power we're getting I just it's that united we stand situation and so I, I think that that our voices are beginning to be heard and what is the goal of the panel when they when they well, call everybody together, do they have a specific goal? I, I've seen you in action too at these panel meetings. You <laughs> you don't let them get away with very much, and them being SCE, right? Southern California Edison, um, right? So, what do right. they say their goal is, and how do you think our goals may differ from their goals, or are we all on the same page? No, we're not all on the same page. My- uh, I believe that they are in a, a candy coating. It's almost like they, they just are putting on a commercial every quarter to make that their goal is to make the people in California feel comfortable with the situation there. And in fact, we have a very, very dangerous situation. And for instance, Bob Hope, who's a very gifted geologist, he is informing us that we have a Fukushima environment here, and we all know what's occurred with Fukushima, and they still don't have that situation under control. So um, in the end, these utility companies and the regulatory, like I put that in quotes, the regulatory um, agencies that are supposed to be regulating what's going on, but they don't. They're really in the back pockets of the utility companies. It's all about the bottom line. It's about the money. And, you know, for the most part, they live far away anyway, so I guess they don't really feel like it's going to impact them too much. Um, And they've created an ultra-hazardous condition, and they just want to basically bury it, literally bury it, and let us, be, you know, be the ones that are going to suffer the consequences of what's going on and, of course, also pay for it. And the whole bearing scenario, um, maybe, Charles, if you want to come up here and just tell us the the craziness that most of the public would never believe. Because, I, you know, I grew up in the 60s, and any food company, it didn't matter who it was, if they were making something, it didn't matter if it was Kool-Aid or uh, anything, you just trusted food manufacturers. If they're making it and they're a big company, it's got to be thinking of our health and everything else. And I think most people probably think the same 
in general terms about a nuclear power plant. It's like, okay, they know what they're doing and they've got to have these contingency plans and they've got to have storage already set up and all this stuff. And what we're learning now and why this is a global issue, not just a San Onofre, Southern California issue, is there is not these storage facility, um, bunkers, safe transport. None of that exists. No, very little. In fact, uh, I'd like to invite Nina to jump in here at any moment to talk about the emergency planning because we've been working on a 400-page report in the last few days outlining incredible safety lapses at San Onofre. And, and they're supposed to be regulated by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And they've essentially waived huge planning and safety requirements that one would associate with a major nuclear facility. This is going to be the largest beachfront nuclear waste dump in the world, and it is the largest privately owned nuclear waste dump in the United States. And each of these canisters is literally three feet above the water level, and it's in a salt environment. There's some evidence to suggest that similar canisters have uh, gotten through wall cracks within five or six years. And the problem is, is when a canister, and there'll be 75 on the beach, gets one of these cracks, it can reach critical mass. And critical mass is when you either have a meltdown or an explosion. So it's a serious, serious problem. And uh, did, did you want to comment, Nina? Well, I'd like to give our audience a little bit of background because when I first found out about this, it was total disbelief. And so, you know, my first question was, how could this possibly happen? And so the background of this is actually our California Coastal Commission mm -hmm. is who has given a permit for Edison to bury this waste. And, and by their, their very mission, you know, they are not in alignment with protecting our, our coastline. So I think our audience should be aware of that, that it's the California Coastal Commission that's enabled this to, to occur. And this is the same Coastal Commission. If, if you're trying to build a private residence or something anywhere in California, you have to jump through 8 billion hoops in, and, they're, and you're probably not going to get through what you want to do. And now we're talking about public safety, not only for um, local residents or even Southern California residents, what we're learning about Fukushima. It's, it, once it's in the water... The water is constantly circulating. We're talking about one water system on the planet where ocean water is evaporating. These currents are taking it all over the world. This is every single nuclear power plant and the waste disposal issue is a global issue. Well, none of this makes any common sense. So you really have to question the motive. And, you know, one of my favorite cartoons that I used to have was a gentleman with a clipboard from the Coastal Commission taking notes of a little boy that was, you know, making a sandcastle on the beach. You know, you really can't get away with anything in California without the, you know, on the beach without the Coastal Commission approving right, it. Right. And yet, you know, this plan is ludicrous. So you, you really have to question the motivation behind it. But more importantly, the Coastal Commission granted Edison this permit under some special conditions and requirements. One of those special conditions is that they have some kind of an aging what they call an aging management system, but that really just equates to a monitoring system so that once these casks are in the ground, we can tell as to whether or not if an earthquake occurs, if there's any damage to those casks, if, as Charles alluded to, the salt air, if there's any corrosion, we can tell if these, these casks are damaged. Edison does not have the technology, doesn't know how they're gonna get the technology. They admit that in their own application. 
But we need the California Coastal Commission to enforce their own requirements. If Edison can't meet those requirements, then that permit really should be revoked because those were the conditions under which the permit was granted. Yeah, and then here we are back at, at square one wondering what do we do? The big question is, how was there never a plan? Maybe, Charles, if you want to talk to this again. How was there a plan for safe disposal never a part of all of we have about 100 nuclear power plants in the United States alone. We do 104, and 100 will ultimately be decommissioned in the next 40 or 50 years. Okay, so, and, and huge we, problem. And there used to be, there was at some time a plan for a some big waste that, disposal system that was going to be pretty safe. Yeah, that plan was called Yucca Mountain. And Yucca Mountain is a, a deep geological repository where the waste is buried very deeply. But the problem is is that they found water near Yucca Mountain, and you can't have water near nuclear waste <laughs> and a water table. Mm. And uh, apparently the evidence suggested that it could even infiltrate the water in, in oh, geez, California. No kidding. Right. <laughs> Let so, me ask you something. If they found water at Yucca Mountain, why is the water at San Onofre State Beach Park okay? Yeah, why is it only inches away? And, and you know, when you start looking at this, it's almost comical because it's so insane. It's like, what are those well, so what slap happened? happy, exactly. you know? So it's like Keystone Cops. So there was a plan for a Yucca Mountain. Is that in Utah or Colorado? Nevada. 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 Minnesota also had planned. I, I found an article from 2012 that, yeah. that talks about what to do with the nuclear waste because Minnesota was supposed to be sending theirs to Yucca Mountain as well, and now... Well, they're not. I would imagine the entire United States, United States was thinking all these power plants were built in the 60s and 70s were probably thinking they're going to this Yucca Mountain like Oz in the sky but, but place that never got built. People keep talking about Yucca Mountain like it is Oz, but the reality is it can't even handle the nuclear waste from San Onofre. One, because it's high burn up fuel, which was used in, in plutonium manufacturing actually for bombs. And two, because the casks that the Department of Energy is demanding that they use are too big to fit in the repository at Yucca Mountain. <laughs> oh, so even if they, so we've still got a, an enormous nuclear waste problem, and this is going to take a massive change of consciousness in the public. First, we've got to build awareness so people are aware there's a problem, and then when we reach that magic number of about 10% awareness there will be a solution that's forthcoming because we'll have the political will to do this. And that's why we've had you back on the show because when Thank we you. think this is a super, super important issue, we want to lend our little voice to it, to the, to the mix. And um, it's, we talk about raising awareness on this show. So sometimes it's raising happy awareness, and it usually is raising the vibration. Yeah. But sometimes it just means we need to raise awareness about important issues about our species living on this planet. Well, I'd like to point out that it's been a very positive growth of public awareness it, it's in a very uh you know there have been a lot of things that have occurred just in the last year that has increased and leveraged the public's awareness when we go to these meetings there are more and more people that are speaking out and speaking their mind and speaking their opinion questioning why there's not more discussion for uh, alternatives and solutions and so uh, you know, let's let's bring the best brains to this problem that we have and creative strategies. And Pam, are you are you noticing that as well? We you're seeing more and more people speak up and come to the meetings and. Yeah, absolutely. And I really, I just applaud these 
these citizens who are willing to do their homework. Everybody is very well informed. And we don't have, basically, in the end, it's we the people. So we the people, we don't have a hidden agenda. We're not being paid off by big money. We are concerned about the welfare of our future in this community. And everybody is very well educated, and they take their time to come in and speak up. And and quite frankly, we're not treated well. Um, because I've we're witnessed going that against- personally. I, I saw them almost attack you. You you held your ground at that meeting. I, I, I commend you for the way that you... You held your poise and your ground, and you did not back down. But it seemed like they were attacking you, um, the, the the guys from Edison. Pam's got moxie. Right. Yeah, right. Well, thank you. But, you know, it's because we're a threat, because we're speaking the truth. And really, I mean, I almost feel like if you've ever seen that movie Animal House, we've got a bunch of guys from Animal House that have created this ultra-hazardous condition, and there is no plan so they just want to bury it. They want to shut us up, and they want to just get their money and get the heck out of here and turn it into our problem. And that's really what we're dealing with. So I just really applaud the people in our communities, uh, you know, in South Orange County and, and northern San Diego counties that are willing to understand the threat that we're under because we really are under threat. And so we need to come together you know, the the wonderful thing about our country is that we are the ultimate decision makers, but we need to understand that we are, right. you know, the ultimate decision makers. And so we do have a group of people, and it's growing bigger and bigger. And, and, and I think that they're becoming, you know, we as a group, united, united, our voices are coming together, and it's harder and harder for them to ignore us and and that's what we have to do because there's so much at stake so um i i just feel very privileged and honored that just kind of serendipitously i ended up being you know at that front table where i'm able to speak for all of us and i know we all get our three minutes from the audience but they certainly cut us off quickly and so but you know we we are becoming a power to be reckoned with so that's the good news thank you so much for leading the way and being a trailblazer and like nina said having such moxie and do you want (laughs) to before we we let you go i know we we want to honor your time because we we said we would keep you on just till 9 30 so we're a little bit over on our time and we want to honor yours but we i wanted to give you um if, if you would, can you let our listeners know when that next uh, meeting is going to happen, that next community engagement meeting is? I think it's in Laguna Hills, right? Is that on May 11th? Yeah. Right. So it's okay. coming up. And um, so the more people that can come, the better. And just if the more people that get up and speak out about what's going on, in the end, even though it doesn't sound like they're listening to us, I guarantee you their brains track this because it will, in the end, be that that public pressure that comes to bear that's going to make a difference. And you can see that we are making progress as a result. So, 
Um, I encourage everybody to come, and maybe it's your first meeting, but you will definitely become educated in what the main issues are. And the more people that join the cause, the better for all of us. So, yes, so please be there this Thursday night and um, just, you know, get up this Thursday. from the heart. This Thursday, May 11th, San Onofre Community Engagement Panel at the Laguna Hills Community Center. It's, listen to this address, 25555 Alicia Parkway, Laguna Hills. Well, thank you, Pam. We really appreciate you calling in, and I'm looking forward to seeing you this Thursday night. And what time is it? Thank you so much. Is it at 7? 7 o'clock, probably. 7 o'clock. 5.30? No, 5.30. 5.30. 5.30. And the year is 2017. If you're listening to this podcast in uh, 3012, it's not then. Thank you so much, Pam. We're going to drop you right now. Thank you so much. We appreciate all your efforts. Bye-bye. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, we have our musical guest, Larissa Stowe, here. is one of my favorite musicians of all time. And I can't believe it. We were talking about that... We've only been on the air four and a half years, yet you've been here in 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, and now we're in 17. So you've been here six years. Oh, my goodness. You're, it's like warping the space-time it's, continuum. It's a love fest. Yes, and your <laughs> band, the Shakti Tribe, with Benj Clark, and, and amazing musicians, and you play a lot of local uh, festivals. Shakti Tribe is coming, or Shakti Fest is coming up. Mm-hmm. I've seen you at Burning Man. Um, so, and you just, your, your music mm-hmm. is definitely music that raises the vibration. We're happy that you're here live. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And I also wanted to, to say that this is really an opportunity. And the reason why I wanted to bring a group of my friends together to, to focus on this and, and bring our fans into the awareness of, of what's going on here is because it can actually be fun to come together even when things like this are really intense and there's a lot on the line and it's very, very serious, it really feels good as a community to come together and and have our voices be heard. So, And you do it so well, Larissa. Wherever you are, whenever we watch you on stage, the entire audience seems to go into this bliss bubble of love and you you bring it up and bring it out. And that is precisely why we asked you to come on the show, because we saw that you were really committed to bringing awareness to this subject. And at the same time, we know that when you play music, it breaks up any of the discordant energy, because we definitely want to keep the vibe high around keeping people motivated to that there's still hope. We, we're not talking about this is the end of the world. You know, it's it's the end of the world as we know it because now we're really standing up and right. realizing that we have a voice and we can right. make a difference. So it's the beginning you. of waking up. Yay. Right? Yes. It's the beginning of waking up, and that's what we're doing. We're realizing our interconnectedness, how much this life is a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. And to be informed right now, like this is the time because we are waking up and we are seeing that our voices make a difference like never before. I can have everybody here just take a deep breath with me. Exhaling out. Ah. That <laughs> <laughs> ah, feels so good. Ah. <laughs> and again, a nice deep breath in. And exhaling out. Ah. ah. 
just going to do a call to love, to connect into our own hearts, because that's where we wake up, is in the heart and in that connection to our spirit. <laughs> I love those Eastern sounding riffs that just kind of takes you away for some reason. Ooh. When you hear those, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sounds like Lawrence of Arabia or something, and your beautiful voice and just the message that you always convey. I mean, all of your music is always about tapping deeper in and sharing your passion of raising this awareness and consciousness. So it's, it's a perfect fit for the show tonight. And thank you so much for coming. 
Everything Jeez. shifts. We become the ocean and just dive into the sea of love. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, you, you never, ever cease to amaze me with how you bring us all. Everybody in this room, I can tell you, we were all, look at, <laughs> look at Erica. She's, <laughs> she, hasn't, in she hasn't experienced the Resisto and Shakti Drive yet. Yeah, yeah, just beautiful. Thank you oh, so much. Well, you. we we've got a, a few minutes before the top of the hour where we kind of have to play a station identification and click over. Um, so, Charles, I'm going to bring you back a little bit, or maybe you know what? Let's have Bob. Bob. Let's have Bob. Bob. So you're Bob. You're a geologist. That's right. And like a real live geologist, I want to get you out to the Integratron <laughs> with us sometime yeah. soon that you can tell us about all the rocks and the granite and the quartz and all that stuff that we don't know anything about. It's I, there, but we don't know how it got there. I look forward to talking with you about that and, 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 and going out on an excursion, and I, I regret missing the last time, but I, I was busy sharing about San Onofre. Yeah, I know. Well, you're on fire with this, so uh, what position does a geologist have in all this? Why would we want to be talking to a, a guy like you right well, now? You know, it really doesn't require a geologist. All it requires is somebody that's lived in Southern California for more than 20 years to realize that burying nuclear waste in such a seismically active area is really kind of crazy. But uh, being a geologist, I can get into the nitpicking details of how crazy it is. Edison uh, contributed to funding for a study that was uh, recently completed by Scripps. And that study, they, uh, they demonstrated that the Newport Englewood Fault and the Rose Canyon Fault are all together one great fault. And offshore of San Onofre, that fault, they claim, has not moved since the Ice Age. So that would indicate that quite a lot of tension has built up offshore. And that doesn't make good tension offshore, makes for tension onshore. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it gives me tension. They, yes. Their calculations indicate that if there was a two-meter slip along that fault zone, that the magnitude of the earthquake could be 7.3 or 7.4 at San Onofre. And, you know, we're learning, although here's another thing, that w- the way we are conditioned to receive our news, we're very soundbite-oriented, and something like Fukushima, with, you know, it's so distant in most people's minds. It's like, oh, yeah, that thing in Japan, and that was taken care of, and that was bad, but, you know, that's all over. Fukushima is ever bit as dangerous or most, more so right now. And how many years has it been that Fukushima... What's it been, five years? Five years or so, I'm sure Charles knows. But, and it is... It is volatile. It is spewing all of its nuclear-radiated waste into the Pacific Ocean, which yeah. becomes the Atlantic Ocean. There isn't a Pacific Ocean. We happen to call it that. But if you go down far south enough of South America, the Pacific Ocean touches the Atlantic Ocean, touches the Caribbean Sea, touches the Indian Ocean. It's all of this it's radioactive material. One ocean, yes. Yeah, one big ocean. And then it evaporates and then falls into the lakes and rivers and everything else. So it's one big water system and, and why this is a global issue. A, a recent study in Oregon shows that the salmon that are, go out to the ocean and I then come that. to the lakes, yeah, they've got cesium-134. That has a half-life of like four years. Mm-hmm. It, there shouldn't be cesium-134 in, in, uh, in fish. salmon. In fish, period, <laughs> yeah. But definitely in Oregon, you know, and that's sourced from Fukushima. And it, if it can concentrate in fish's tissue, what's it doing in our tissue? Right. If we're eating, or all the apex fish that we eat, like salmon, you know, it's it's little little creatures that are being eaten by bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's you know it's a compounding effect. Correct. It's not like a giant one big salmon ate one little thing that was maybe radioactive. It's a, a thousand little things that got eaten by one 
a, a, you know, like a crab. And that crab, it was a thousand of those got eaten by a bigger fish and a thousand of those. So by the time it's in the salmon, it is pretty strong. Yeah, the, the, the way you describe that reminds me of a lot of the voracious sushi eaters I see in Southern California. <laughs> I see us, you know, there's a good chance that we're concentrating the contaminants that are out there in the Pacific Ocean into our own bodies is there, through, is through there, our consumption. Is there a test that people can do to find out if it's in their body? Yes, there sure is. Thank you for asking. There is a, there's hair sampling that you can do where uh, the hair stores uh, contaminants that you've been uh, exposed to over time. And there's hair sampling that uh, you can have done online. Uh, and uh, I know that uh, I've spoken with local citizens that have had uranium f- discovered in their hair samples, and uh, they're concerned. And then what happens? I mean, if you find that you've got uranium or some sort of thing, what is there something that can be done? There are uh, uh, chelation therapies that uh, are available for expressing metals out of your body. Uh, and, you know, Western medicine really doesn't cope with this too well. We have to look beyond Western medicine to find uh, other types of practitioners that can help us with uh, healing these sorts of things. Mm. And there are. I, I just met a naturopath down in San Diego that actually is a mobile uh, chelation therapy. Um, I think she's doing chelation therapy mobily where she takes IV and she does IV infusions and things like that. She was at our last, uh, our last event, Crystal. Um, <clears throat> so that's good news. That's good to know that we can do that. And, Bob, what is your when, – when you talk about um, what the alternatives are, when you're speaking before attorneys and judges and panels, what are you suggesting that we here in, in, at San Onofre do and – Across the world. I mean, it's not just our, our problem in our backyard, but where everybody is in the United States, a lot of these nuclear plants are going, what do we do? What do we do? Are you the guy that's giving suggestions? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, my, my suggestion for San Onofre is to at least entertain the dialogue rather than having both feet committed to uh, the burial on site approach. But... Uh, one opportunity that I see, uh, we've got the Marines and the Navy right here. I mean, it, the, San Onofre is actually on the Marine base. It's leased land from the Marines. There's, uh, we've got the ships that are capable of transporting this stuff into the ocean, and we could take it to anywhere, any coastal location on the planet that we wanted to take it to for safer interim storage. It, when you consider all the nuclear power plants in the United States, there's no nuclear power plant more dangerous from a seismic perspective than San Onofre. That's right. Charles was talking about one of the nuclear plants in Florida because we are syndicated and our listeners are listening to us coast to coast now. Charles, did, did you want to say anything about the nuclear reactor that's in Florida? Well, I, I think... Florida is downstream from a couple of nuclear reactors where water is moving in to cool the reactors from Georgia into Florida. And there have actually been disputes because Georgia has been accused of being a water hog uh, for taking water and sequestering it and and actually depriving Florida of fresh water. So we're running into situations now where water rights are actually... a threat to nuclear power plants, and this is true on the Colorado River where there's a couple of uh, large nuclear power plants upstream well above the Hoover Dam, 
And we get something like 60% of our water out here in California uh, from the Colorado. So, uh, but if you don't cool those things constantly, there's always the possibility of a meltdown. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about it a little bit. We're going to just do a real quick station identification. So everybody, I'm not going to turn mics off. Just don't say anything. Here we go. Hi, this is Greg Braden, and you are listening to Awakening Code Radio. All right, that little break there was for our uh, syndicated stations to announce themselves. And uh, we're, I, th- I think it's important, I know it's for me, because I always like getting to the sort of fundamental issues. I'm a layman in most things. I'm interested in a lot of things, but I like to understand them at a very fundamental level. And I think a lot of people, when they think of nuclear power plants, they think that some high-tech thing is, you know, we're splitting atoms, and it must be the splitting of the atom is somehow making magic electricity that is going to the, the, through the power lines. And it is actually a very combination of a very high-tech approach to a very low-tech solution to creating power. It is. what we're, using, we're burning atoms, basically, to heat steam to turn a turbine. It's no different from a, a steam engines yeah, that we were using in the 1850s and 1840s that fueled the Industrial Revolution. It just happens to be that, that we're relying on nuclear decay to do it, a nuclear fire. And, and the problem is, is it's... What what happens is, even though the, the nuclear coals burn out, they're not capable of heating enough steam to turn those turbines, to turn the generators, to make the electricity, they're still hot for hundreds of thousands, even millions of years. It's like, you, you know, you make a steak, and then you eat the steak, and then the coals keep burning for a couple million years. And that's the problem we've got with, with nuclear fuel. And that's, and that's the big problem that we're talking about. And, you know, it's... It's a separation of consciousness. I've been everything that we talk about on this show is this, and I happened to watch some show on Gaia TV, and I can't remember what it was, but there was a, I think it was an actual physicist, maybe an astrophysicist, that said, "Listen, the problem on Earth right now isn't a problem of overpopulation. It's not a problem of GMOs. It's not a problem of you know any one issue. It is a, of clean water. It's a problem of consciousness." We have been, we haven't been keeping pace. Our consciousness has not been keeping pace with our technology. And he used the analogy as soon as we figured out how to split the atom, the very first thing we did was, man, this will make an awesome bomb. So our yes. consciousness is not really aligned in it. Or we can do cheap power. I'm sure, it, uh, you know, atomic uh, reactors for m- boiling water, more or less, that's all they're doing to spin a turbine. They're boiling water. It's like, this is a quick fix. But our conscience just says, yeah, we're after the money. We're, we're satisfying the shareholders. We want to make as much money as possible. And people 40, 50 years down the line, let them figure it out. Something's going to work itself out. They've been kicking the can down the road. And just yeah. to clarify, every one of these reactors was made to make bombs. That's why we've got them. It wasn't because of any pressing need for nuclear energy. Because if you look at the true cost of nuclear energy, it's incredibly expensive. It's a money loser. In fact, right now, there are nuclear power plants that are declaring bankruptcy because they can't compete with solar energy. And solar was once considered to be the most expensive form. Mm. So things are shifting. And hopefully what's happening is the consciousness factor, like when we talked to Pam on the phone and stuff, that people are becoming aware it's a trickle effect. I mean, it's an expansive. You said if we can get 10% of the population to understand what's going on and 
be watchdogs in their own right. They don't have to join publicwatchdogs.org, which is your organization, right. but just be aware of what is happening. And people are calling food manufacturers out on GMOs. They're, you know, the paradigm is shifting, and we need to be just so on point right now. This is a critical moment in history for us to be those watchdogs. There is a massive shift in consciousness happening right now. It's like a rising sun of consciousness. This is the happiest I've seen all of you since we've started talking about this subject. Charles, when we first started talking about this subject and and we had you and Nina in the studio, I think we've had you in too. This is maybe your third time, huh? Third time, yeah. Yeah, and to see the difference in everybody's faces and demeanor it's it's well there is a comfort in community i it, mean there it was is. mentioned earlier and yeah i'd like to share something with your audience i think maybe i've shared on this program before but i'm originally from the pittsburgh area and so 1979 i was living there during three mile island mm. Mm. and so i want to bring that up because you know i witnessed the a, a three mile island nuclear meltdown and uh, it's very important to be aware and to be a part, plugged into your community. There is a power of people, you know, coming together on these issues, sharing information. And um, it's important that we come together as a community. I used to live in Laguna Beach and Dana Point. I, I've been in San Diego since 92. But when we started this, you know, part of what we ended up doing was pulling the counties together because we... We were just convinced that Edison was banking on the fact that we weren't going to be talking to one another. We need to talk to one another. Well, let's talk about the success. We haven't really mentioned it on this show yet because the first time we had you on, there was like a three-month or a four-month countdown to the first tanks are going in the ground, and that has been stayed. I mean, now Edison, that that moment has passed. No tanks have gone in the ground, and there's a conversation, a dialogue taking place now. So... There's so much to celebrate just to getting to this point. There is, because when we first started this, well, we, we had the pleasure of, of changing our countdown clock on our website, because originally the waste was to be buried in spring of 2017. That was two months ago. So, you know, I, I hope that people are listening and realizing that public awareness, involvement, and increased just tell everybody that you know about this situation and get the word out. You know, I, I, you know, we, uh, there's a lot of people that have their heads in the sand, and we can't afford to do that because there's about to be 3.6 million pounds of nuclear waste to be buried in that sand. So we all got to come together as a community and get and our there, heads out of the sand. And there's still hope to stop that. And there is still hope to stop it, Absolutely. We have time to stop this and have impact and, and um, bring ideas and solutions to the table. I do want to bring it to a more global perspective as well because we, we have listeners all over the world. We have listeners in Australia. We have listeners. Every continent. Really? Every oh, yeah. Continent. Good. Sure. So when we talk about it being here, just here, we also want to bring awareness to the fact that there are almost 500 nuclear reactors worldwide. If you go to, if you, if you Google how many nuclear plants are there around the world, you'll see that, um, you know, all the different countries that have them and that there's right now 60 of them being built 
new ones actually coming on the scene, especially in China. Yeah, Charles, what that's a, a question. If if the plants are our local plants are not being, uh, you said it's it's very expensive. Why are new plants being built? Well, there's a there's just a huge investment in the nuclear industry, and a lot of the technology that is making nuclear energy obsolete has just become available. We've seen. You know, massive improvements in solar energy and wind energy, and so maybe now, these were projects that were started ten years ago. Sure, uh, building a nuclear power plant can take twenty, thirty years. Yeah, so it's a very long. So they're committed. Yeah, plus, folly or not, we're going to do it. Plus, it's kind of like a, ma- a city wanting a major league baseball team or football team. You know, you've really arrived when you've got nuclear power. There's a lot of that going on, too. Mm. And part of the folly that we didn't talk about, we talked about what a, a nuclear power plant, how it works, that it's just splitting atoms to heat water to turn a turbine that is going to, in a very old-fashioned way, generate electricity, more like yes. the, what Tesla came up with. You know, spin some wire around a magnet, and you're making electricity. That's the right. problem is... Every single nuclear power plant has to be on a water source because it takes tons, billions of gallons of water to keep it cool enough. So they're always on a river or a lake or an ocean. Always. 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 So that yes. is, makes it doubly, and here we've got this fluid element, you know, as soon as it gets polluted, like Fukushima, it's not just polluting a small area, the, it, it is going everywhere. Look, there's, there's cesium-137 from Fukushima in Florida right now. Mm. I guarantee you if they test it on the beach, uh, it's been found on the shore in San Diego in Orange County. It's been found in the North Sea, north of Great Britain. It's everywhere. Fukushima was the world's first global pollution event, and it's still going on. It's still they, happening. They are literally freezing the earth. They're digging down hundreds of feet into the earth, and freezing it with pipes, with chiller pipes, to prevent the water from Fukushima from getting into the Pacific Ocean. Mm. This isn't over yet. They're mm. going to be dealing with this for thousands of years there. Mm. It's, it's amazing. And I watched a YouTube special of, you know, the once they get to the point of trying to extract the rods uh, to bury, bury them someplace else, it is like picking up, uh, what was that old pickup sticks almost? And if one touches another one, you've got this, horrific explosion and they're going in blind and picking these these tubes up that are already laying on each other and yep. it's just like oh my god this they, just sounds horrible they, who's they, gonna do that you know who's gonna want to even do that right be the people if you're gonna talk talk on the mic there larissa right. you know that <laughs> this is true right i was just saying it, and who's gonna even want to do that i mean it's so dangerous it's almost suicidal exactly so well it was suicidal those guys that went in to really the first responders at fukushima they knew that they were going into yeah. more or less just like jumping inside a reactor to, to try and assist. I mean, it is, and it just gets down to, I mean, feeble attempts. They, they got, were heroes, and so they were the men who, who died at uh, Chernobyl. Sure. That went in there and shoveled waste. Yeah. I mean, they literally went in there and shoveled waste speaking in Tyvek suits. Speaking of that, I just I, I want to bring it back to one of the things we talk about on the show. We talk about angels. We talk about aliens. We talk about synchronicity and this show has been planned for over a month i think we we penned this show and i got together with everyone and said we we have this vision for the show we want to keep it high vibe we don't want to make it hopeless we want to make it hopeful that's why we were blending the music and knowing that the bringer of love larisa stowe was going to be here and then we learned about erica rose and her her plight with the 
the mermaids and and how she brings this beautiful feminine essence to um, the way that you're questioning people about what they're doing and and it's just been it's been really exciting to see all of that. When when I was on the phone with Charles on Monday, I received an email from a friend who didn't know anything about this show. Nothing. She's in Northern California. She didn't know we had planned to do the show. We hadn't made our bumper yet for the show. And she said to me, wow, I'm in the midst of reading an incredible book, Voices of Chernobyl. Mm. And that comprised of what actually happened there. It won the 2000, 2015 Nobel Peace Prize, I guess, Nobel Prize. Um, and she had no idea that we were even doing this show, but yet she tuned in and, and, you know, we call it synchronicity, right? But it feels like there's something in the air that's getting people to pay attention. That's getting people to wake up like we talked about. And I would like to invite anyone to consider reading books about what happened at Chernobyl, what happened at Fukushima, just to really awaken to what the possibilities are. And I challenge people. I think this is a challenge to what are we going to do? What are you going to do? What, how can we light the fire under your rear end to get you to start shouting from the rooftops to all your family members and your friends about what's happening so that we can use our voices and really rise up in a healthy, peaceful way and, and, create solutions. I'm not the one that has the type of mind that can create a solution. That's why I, you know, look to Bob Pope and say, come on, you have that kind of mind. What are your ideas? What are your solutions? But that's what we hope to do with this radio program is to get, I can just, I can feel my goosebumps starting and my voice wants to, I can feel the tears want to come because I want to challenge those people that have the kind of mind that, that were born to do this work, that were born to, to, to be a way shower and to show, to show others that they care about the earth and they care about not just the next seven generations, but the next hundred generations. That's why we're here. And Erica is raising her hand so sweetly. Thank you. So you can stop me from crying right now. Oh, please cry. <laughs> it's so good for, for everyone if you cry. <laughs> Um, I'd just like to say that um, the ultimate solution, while we are talking about moving the waste and we are talking about this one specific issue, um, but really, realistically, this complete disconnection to our planet and to taking care of our own environment is really a disconnection within ourselves. And so this rise in consciousness, this increase in vibration, this going inwards and discovering who you truly are and doing the work and finding your shadows to find that loving and acceptance and just allowing yourself to be exactly as you are. This is the change. This is what will motivate and what will project itself outwards into the external world because it's... It's only our internal projections that are making it so easy to not take care of our planet and not take care of our own environment because we're not taking care of ourselves. We're just kind of asleep. Well, yes, but this is the beautiful part of what's happening now is that we are waking up. Yes. 
and waking up collectively and waking up together. And I think right now when we talk about the, um, the age of Aquarius and the rise of the sacred and divine feminine, and it's really that connection to ourselves, which is allowing us to connect even deeper with our environment and our home and with those around us to care more about each other. And I think that's the revolution. And this is simply a physical manifestation of what's taking place inside the hearts of everyone around the world right now. We, we agree. And that's why we call ourselves Awakening Code Radio. We believe it with all it. our hearts that something is happening. <laughs> and, you know, there's so many people that want to contribute. And we love being a forum to give them a voice. And it's lots of different types of people, but healers and I mean, it could be geology. It could be people that just do their study and understand the, the whole interconnectedness of all of this. It's requiring all of us to contribute. So um, we've got Larissa ready to do. Are, I'm going to turn your mic back. Ben, all the ben, mics back on. Benj has a guitar in his. Benj has a guitar of the wonder, Shakti tribe. If I can have a pair of headphones. Uh, yeah. Mine. There you go. Sure. Can you hear? Think so. You got it? Okay. I'm going to drop all the other mics, so we'll just let you you two go. So I hear that you play this one a lot. <laughs> we do. <laughs> I love this song. And this is a message that a lot of us have heard, but it keeps growing because as our consciousness grows, our messages keep evolving. Yay for that.
bless, 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 bless those who curse you. Bless, 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 bless those who curse you. Oh. And pray, pray, pray for those who abuse you. And pray, pray, pray for those who abuse you. Chopra and you're listening to Awakening Code Radio. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. We didn't quite get to the Oh you didn't? <laughs> I heard the ah uh, I thought that was it. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. Eric was a little premature. I, <laughs> it just, well, I, when I heard, because I've heard that song a million times, I've heard you do it live. And when I hear that, ah, ah. Right, right. Well, Bench was slowing down, but the, the most important part is this. Oh. <laughs> is the, is where. Yeah, sure. Okay, okay. Jump back in. I'm sorry. It was we had a little intermission. We're gonna jump right. In. Remember the old eight track players? Did anybody have an eight track player? Yes. It would just like four. it would just like fade down and chunk and then fade back up on the same song. Just think you're back in 1976 and we're listening to an eight track. This will make it that much more of a point. Right? There we go. And it goes like this. Love, 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 love till there is no end of me. Yeah, yeah, love, 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 till there is no end of me, yeah, 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 do good, 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 till goodness becomes you, do good, 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 till goodness becomes you.
there's what I thought I was hearing the other time. <laughs> and we have a running gag here that I have cut your songs short, like your recorded songs, and I just took it to the ultimate insult, insult and just cut you guys offline. Thank you very much. I like, gave you the hook. I'm so sorry. Thank I you for holding your ground and bringing it back yes. online. It wasn't just you, though. Without, without it. Where would we get all this comic relief? Right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. we have to have a little levity on the show. Oh, that that's is so the funny. Thing. Laughter breaks up that intense energy. That yeah. was the that's whole true. goal, right? There we go. Well, through. I did that. I'm the guy who cut off the Shakti tribe. No more. <laughs> <laughs> I just shut off their mics. <laughs> but you see, it's like this, the message, that's the message. It and is. That's what you were sharing about earlier, how there is no us versus them it's not against anymore it's like it's love till we re- recognize that there isn't an enemy there truly there is no enemy. there can't be an enemy we're there a isn't. species you know <laughs> if you're an enemy if you're thinking there's an enemy you're kind of an enemy to yourself i mean that is a message that you bring about in so much of your music is we are all we you know we had nasim harriman we had a physicist we had manaska photos we've had deepak chopra you know written these books about we it's not airy-fairy, hocus-pocus, woo-woo talk to say we are all connected. Everything is connected. Yeah. So when we're talking about something like this, a nuclear reactive, it sounds like, oh, that's their problem, you know, out yeah. in Orange County, California. No, it is not. We've learned from Fukushima that this is a global topic, and we're hoping that everybody in the world that happens to be listening to this show is thinking, what's in my backyard? What what it, should I be more aware of? What is this government or, a, a, you know, a... a what a um, utility and we have all these utility companies that are generating power or doing whatever they're doing don't and just whistle money. right making money don't just go it's all fine it be aware of nothing else like you said um erica we, we're not fighting anything we're just trying to have people be aware of- and when we're talking about community let's talk about a collective consciousness not just a physical community right it is a collective consciousness. That's we're one what, organism. We're one organism. All know? the way up, <laughs> up and down the food chain, up planetary, extraplanetary. It is all one thing. Yes. And what what we do to the one thing, we do to the everything. I have a friend who says, "How you do one thing is how you do everything." We don't want to be that species that just said, "Ah, it, that's either for someone else to figure out, or it's not that big of a problem, or these people, the masses, are too stupid. We'll get away with it to make the money." We can't ha- that mentality will not take our species from here to a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand years from now. And, and that's they, not even and- that long in the scope of other animals' existence on this planet. Dolphins and whales have been here 40, 50 million years, and we're thinking a thousand years from now or, or 10,000 years from now for the uh, human species, and people go, oh, we're not going to be around that long. Why not? Yes, we certainly could be around that long, but we're going to have to figure this out. We have all these choice points, and there's no more critical time than right now of looking at these things and thinking through them. We have the technologies, but it's an issue of consciousness. That is the thing that has to be part of every decision we make, from the food you eat to how you treat people to the power that you get. Like, Benj, we went to... I mean, Benj became a little bit militant. We went to a restaurant (laughs) and he says, don't bring me a straw. I don't want something that's used once and thrown away. Don't bring me a plastic straw. Every, if every single person did those types of things, things start changing very quickly. It's, it's the masses. And they, they did bring him a straw just to add to that. They did bring a straw and Benj was a little bit upset that they didn't hear, they didn't seem to hear. 
that they brought the straw. No matter what, if we sucked on the straw or not, it was still going to be thrown away whether we chose not to. But the way that you so politely said to our waiter, excuse me, I really have something I'd like to talk with you about. And you just brought it up to his attention. And then what did he say? He uh, he took the fall for it. He, he says, was gracious. He I, was very gracious. I forgot to tell the other bar back that it was going to bring you the water, not to right. give you straws. I'm sorry. But he was it was be- he, it was a beautiful listens. exchange of conscious communication is yeah. what, was what an, I saw. And it was, it was an opportunity to have to the dialogue. Sh- have the dialogue. Mm-hmm. I mean, if nothing else, it's the opportunity to have the dialogue about things that matter. This guy might go home and say, you're yeah. not going to believe some crazy guy asked me not to bring a straw and he made a big deal out of it. And his kids are going to go, well, yeah, that we're, we're learning that in school. You're not supposed to just use stuff and throw it away like that. So it, that is how consciousness is raised. Right that's where it starts. It has to start somewhere. And that's why the show wasn't just about it's not in my backyard. It, this, you know, we, we were talking locally about what's happening in our local area, but we wanted to make sure that everybody around the world knew and, and researched how it affected them as well because it affects all of us. And well, well, it's just our time in the barrel right now. Like Charles was saying, all of these plants, it's not like some of these plants just keep going on forever. They're all... 60s, 70s technologies. I'm sure we would be alarmed if we went in there and see these old dials and switches and stuff and just go, oh my gosh. And they were probably only built to last 50 to 100 years. And then what? All of them are going to have to be decommissioned. We we did a show. I don't know if you'll remember it because we were at a camp out for your birthday, I think, where we saw something in the sky that was very strange looking and it spun and it left this giant blue glowing cloud in the atmosphere and we wondered what the heck that was. And I just said, what if it was a nuclear satellite? Are there nuclear satellites up there? And sure enough, there are a dozen aging Russian satellites. All of them are going to come down. Mm-hmm. All of them are going to crash through our atmosphere at some point because it was just a quick fix that they needed to spy on us in the 80s. So they launched these fairly low-tech satellites. They're going around. They are all going to fall. It's the same mentality of consciousness that... And I'm not saying that's what that really was, although I think that maybe that's what it was. <laughs> Eric had such a big, a big opinion on that. I night. do. Yes. I, I still believe that's what it was. Yeah. But um, that, but that, what we, what I did learn in that, just doing some research on my own, there are these nuclear powered satellites, and all of them will eventually fall down. So it's the same sort of mentality. It's like, ah, eh, that's somebody else's problem. Hundred years down the, the road, it's not our problem today. And and really talking about it is shining the light on it and giving us hope for the future because we are dialoguing, we are talking, we are starting the conversation and somebody out there is going to have an opinion. They can make a difference. And I think all of us are are really feeling that within our own families. We're having new conversations around the dinner table. You know, it's, it's not just what did you do today in school, dear? It's, you know, how can, how can we affect change? It, it's an important topic. So I, I really thank everybody for coming in. This, this has been on my heart for so long. So thank each one of you for coming in and sharing what you know. And we still, we still have a whole nother half hour to yeah. <laughs> bring, more, bring more to it. And yeah. Eric, you wanted to talk about um, more solution-oriented things. Like, did you want to talk more about some of the 
the options that we have that we're looking to so that we can start focusing on what we want to bring in as we're phasing out. Well, I just read recently a thing about explosion technology versus implosion technology. I'd never heard it defined that way. But explosion technology is things moving parts that spin or do something, some mechanical thing to generate power. And it's actually, like Charles was saying, the technology to run a nuclear power plant is very similar. We're doing the same thing, creating steam to turn something. It's, a, it's like the 1800s all over again still. And we have all the, our cars are actually very low tech. They're not that different than the first car ever made. A piston going up and down and a bunch of moving parts just trying to blow themselves apart to move us. Now we have, you know, other power sources. We have battery packs. I don't know if that's it. Maybe we can talk about that with Charles. You probably have some ideas of what's with all, all the batteries good for the environment. But we have implosion technologies like wind. Um, is an implosion technology. It's just gathering something. We have solar. It doesn't require all the same type of of uh, generating power to make power kind of thing. And then we have to think of that. I, I am curious about batteries. And Charles, I'll bet you just have something on that. All the all the Teslas, all the hybrids, all the stuff, and all these batteries, where are those going to go? Yeah, really the future, uh, especially in California, but for the rest of the nation in terms of alternative energy is going to hinge on battery storage technology. And this is why Tesla is putting most of their focus on delivering cheap batteries to the masses. And you're right, they're, they're lithium batteries. They use rare earth minerals. They're very expensive to build, but the cost of these batteries keeps going down and down and down. And right now, for example, in California, there's no reason why our number one export shouldn't be sunshine in the form of electricity. The problem is, is we can't store that electricity very efficiently right. now. Right. So the move is for battery storage. And when that happens, it's going to be a real game changer. You know, we've been talking about community. And uh, maybe you could uh, allude a little of what you learned today at that community aggregate uh, seminar in terms of communities taking more control over the source of their energy as opposed to being dictated by a utility. Yes, this is something that's a national trend. It's called community choice aggregation. And it's when municipalities get together and decide that they're going to cut the tie partially from their local monopoly utilities and buy their own electricity on the open market. And almost all of them are buying green energy and uh, encouraging green energy. And they still use the old utility model where the utility is maintaining the the wires and, and the basic infrastructure that delivers the electricity into your home. But communities now are voting with their pocketbooks and saying, yeah, we want to buy green energy. And what they're finding is is that it's much cheaper than buying the electrons from the utilities. So they can actually deliver a slightly lower electric bill and clean up our carbon footprint at the same time and, and use green energy. Do you, have, do you have any of that written on publicwatchdogs, with an S, dot org? And, and you have so we much will. information on there. And I want to give props to Nina for that test you put together. The first thing when I go to publicwatchdogs.org, have you seen this yet, Larissa? When you go and you take the test, it's, it's your nuclear awareness test, yeah. or what's it, how, what is it, your aptitude? IQ test. Your nuclear IQ test. Uh-huh, I got 100% when I took it. I was so jazzed. <laughs> but I know a lot of people won't, you know, 
unless they've been listening to you tonight, maybe, or, or hearing the facts. But when you put that test together, you had a lot of great questions. Well, that's okay if they, if they don't know. Right. That's, that's what it's for. Increase we awareness want them to fail. even when somebody's <laughs> just looking at the website. They right. can uh, test themselves. You know. So I, I encourage everyone to go to publicwatchdogs.org to see some of the dialogue that's on there. You, you give a great fact sheet on talking points and bringing awareness to what's going on so that people can talk to their family, their friends, all around, all around town and know what to do and know which local officials I think they should contact to let them know what their thoughts are and what their, you know, what they want to see rather well, than... Uh, you know, it's about lifelong learning too. And if you've never been down at city council and or county board of supervisors meeting, go. You know, express your opinion. We're all in this together Right. And um, I think it's an opportunity for people to take a different perspective of, you know, the people that are representing them in government and have some input. It's a, a learning experience to do it. Well, we know we need to lean on our government officials. I mean, government, we have, are they're the people back 50 years ago that were making these deals to build the nuclear power plants and all that. Everybody, we know how government works and gives these contracts and everything else. So, that the watchdog aspect is just through every aspect. If it affects your life, then you should be a little more informed and aware. That's that's really the only thing that we want to say about tonight. But it just bears repeating that you cannot be overly informed about the food that you're putting in your body, um, how animals are produced. You know, I've watched the shows now, cow what cowpocalypse and everything else. We we turn sort of a blind eye and just think. That's somebody else's problem. That's them just doing it. I trust big companies. I trust big pharma. People aren't saying that so much anymore. YouTube and social media has given us this huge platform to spread awareness instantaneously. And somebody does a good job of making a documentary or making a point, a valid argument, and instantly spreads. And that eventually is going to take hold more than it has right now. Hey, it's about protecting each other. And it's about protecting each other, not just ourselves, but protecting uh, each other. And, for sure. And that awareness is a part of that protection. And I love that this really, the, the fire got lit when Chief Phil Lane came from Canada. He really felt a call to our what, what we considered our Standing Rock issue. And he came of his own accord. He called me and we organized something very quickly within a few days. Mm-hmm. We organized getting a lot of people there on the beach, and what he did was called a staking ceremony, where we took each person there in the circle, took a stake, and drove that stake into the sand with such passion and determination and power, and really claimed, I am not going to stand idly by while this is going on. I'm actually going to take a stand. And it really was effective. And we're, we're feeling the ripple effect of that. So, we each took a commitment that day. Yes. And Laura Tesmali, I want to give a shout out to her. She just texted me that she's listening in. She was there that day and she did part of the water ceremony and the, the blessing ceremony. So we, we really did form what you're talking about, Nina. We, this conscious collaboration, this community event where we did feel like we were really linking arms and hearts and, and jumping in together. And we're thinking about what the indigenous teach us. And I don't want to say that many of us have forgotten, but, you know, it wasn't in our cultural upbringing to really talk about for the next seven generations. But every decision that our Native American and indigenous families 
make, they always take into consideration how is this going to affect the next seven generations and beyond. And that's really what we want to bring to, to that question to all of our listeners so that we can think about what are we doing and what are we going to leave for our children and our children's children? And that really sets us up for this next song that Eric's getting ready to play. This is one of our, our previous guests on the show, Aloka, um, used to be in a band called uh, Sons of the Earth. And they have a song called Ancestors. And I just really felt like I wanted to share this song tonight. Oh, there there you go. go with your thematic. <laughs> and Eric and his button pushing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Where did it go? You push something down here. I know, but where it was playing and then wasn't playing. Oh, there it is. I think that's it. There it is. <laughs> Gosh. So thank you for listening. This is Ancestors by Sons of the Earth. This is Michael Tillinger from South Africa, founder of the Ubuntu Movement, and you're listening to Awakening Code Radio. 
And thank you for joining us. We are down to our last 15 minutes or so, and we have had a great conversation. I mean, really full of hope. It is not one of gloom and doom. We want people to be aware of uh, something big, and one of the biggest issues there could be, like Charles was saying, so far Fukushima is the largest single disaster uh, to happen on planet Earth, and it's still happening. So we want to all be watchdogs ourselves. We want to all be aware of things like this. It can be small scale. It can be just in your town. It can be large scale that affects everything. Um, but just w- w- the, the days of trusting any big entity um, are over, thinking that they have our best interest at heart. They don't. A business is a business, and that's their job is to make the most money possible. But you can do that in a conscious way. You can do that in a way that appeases um, the the watchdogs that thinks about the uh, future, thinks about the next seven generations or seventy generations or seven hundred generations. You know, if you're talking about nuclear power, half lives of, of hundreds of thousands of years. Um, that's many generations that we have to be thinking of. We have to be very responsible and very aware of the way we're managing the technology that we have created for ourselves, and that's okay. That's a good thing. It's awesome that we have these technologies, but we want to manage them in a conscious state and not just kick, like Charles said, kick the can further down the road a few years and go, that's somebody else's, that's the next generation's problems. Our ancestors were thinking they want to leave the world better for their children than than they had it for themselves. And we're, uh, so much of our thinking in the last hundred years has not been that. So we can turn that around. The We've talked a little bit about the aliens or the, the uh, extraterrestrials that, we didn't talk tonight on the show about it, but we have talked in the past about during President Eisenhower's um, time in office, there was a lot of UFO activity in the sky, and there's all sorts of books written, Stranger in the Pentagon and things like that. But what they're saying is because of nu- what we're doing with our nuclear powers, they're keeping an eye on us because it affects not just the people of Earth, believe it or not. And I had to bring the alien in. I had wow, to bring I mean, the alien like in. Left field. It, it, I'm all Eric about talking about aliens, but Eric boom. wasn't ready for <laughs> that one. <laughs> Michelle, I'm familiar with what you're speaking because I think that at any every particular point in that scenario, they've they've come into a point of intervention when we were not looking out for our own That's best right. interest. And uh, I felt like we could we couldn't have this show without at least speaking that into the circle because there is a lot of talk about disclosure especially this year in 2017 there's a lot of groups out there that are talking about wanting our government to actually disclose what's happening with the ufo activity and i don't even say it's ufo because it's not unidentified anymore i think well and you know just talking about in a roundabout way uh talking about extraterrestrials and i'm uh, you know all into the extraterrestrial theory but uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is not into the extraterrestrial theory, he's an astrophysicist, but in a, in a theoretical sense, he said if there were extraterrestrials flying over our planet and doing a field report, it would be very short and just say there was a species that knew one thing and did another. And that's not a great legacy for us as a species on a beautiful planet like ours to know that some of the things that we're doing and both – This applies on a micro level of just your own personal behavior that you know what serves yourself, what are healthy foods, what are healthy habits, what are healthy things to say in your relationships. We know those things. It's not rocket science. 
So, so to think that we're defined as the species that knows one thing, we know what right action would be and looks like, and yet we chose to do otherwise. That is not the legacy that we want to leave in the solar system galaxy universe. Is like, man, nice try, guys. You had you had some good traits and some high ideals. All you had to do was act on them, and that's the tipping point that we're talking about right now. That's what, really what this show is all about, is if there were the extraterrestrials doing the field report, they said they finally figured it out. And that's why we're using music to raise the vibration again. Sure. I see that Ben just got his guitar back, um, and Larissa's always ready to sing, right? Always. Oh, she's... You're far away from the mic, so I don't know yeah. if you are or not. Okay. I, I get comfortable. I want to make sure that Erica gets to sing, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll have Erica sing us out. Okay. Well, the last part of the show, we'll just be singing around the campfire. Okay, right on. Nice. <laughs> This song is about planet Earth, isn't it? It is. Because it's called Baby Blue. I love this song. And I didn't know exactly that it was about our beautiful planet. It's like a little blue marble in the distance. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it felt appropriate. And Binge's jumping in, even though we haven't really practiced this one. So, but it feels very appropriate for tonight and actually for always. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
in a different form I'm gathering my courage to be born into What a you. gift you both have, but gosh, just, <sighs> there's like some teary eyes here in the studio. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And it is, Thank you. you know, um, that, that was the perfect song to sing. It was about planet Earth, you know, and what a precious gift we have to live on it for a while. And why wouldn't we want to take care of something just so uniquely special? I mean, we're out there looking for other planets like ours, spinning around in the Goldilocks zone that might have water, you know, far enough away that it's not steamy and not, and close enough that it's not ice and, you know, just a miracle little place that we are in the diversity. We are what we're looking for. We, we are the most beautiful place. I mean, this, this planet is heaven. So incredible. It's truly, it is so gorgeous. Diverse. The diversity of heaven. flora and fauna is just, and we keep discovering new species even now. You know, in deep water or something, and just like man, it just keeps getting more amazing. And I think about it every once in a while; it hits me in a unique way that you know what we breathe out, a tree needs, and what a tree breathes out, right. we need. And the tree makes fruit. It doesn't have to make fruit. You know, it makes these pocket-sized, delicious little hand-sized, mouth-sized, often you know, like just for us. And sacred geometry, right, right Eric? Got to be. It's gotta, it's, there's got to be some engineering going on in this whole thing. Eric oh. brings it back oh, to sacred geometry, sonic geometry, and I bring it back to aliens. You want to read? <laughs> but yes. we have absolutely everything here we that need. we could ever want need. Right. This place is a miracle, and we're miracles. We're only here because our ancestors had everything they needed. You know, we're, we're the lineage 
They just food, clothing, shelter. It was very simple what they needed, and Earth provides all of that. It's time to go back to that. Well, it's been absolutely amazing having all of you on here. We want to, before we have Erica Rose sing us out, we... um, we want to make sure to invite all of our listeners to Public Watchdog's uh, Public Education and Outreach Program. They've actually secured Laguna Beach High School's theater, which is a 435-person, beautiful building, beautiful, I guess, seats. It has 435 seats um, right here in Laguna Beach, and that'll be sometime in June. The date hasn't been penned yet, I guess. So go to publicwatchdogs.org and... Pay attention. Please show up so that you can actually be heard and and listen to all the facts that are going to be presented. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Nina, Bob, Larissa, Benj, Charles, and Aaron Rose for being with us tonight. And Aaron has a song. You don't want to sing it? Erica. I'm, I'm sorry, Erica. I know, I'm like, I, I'm did glad, I write Erica? I'm I wrote glad Erica. somebody else screwed up I know, names. I, I do it up. all the time. I'm, I'm still so high from everything that's transpired tonight. I wrote Erica right here. I did. So Erica Rose, all the way from Costa Rica, you came back over to help us you know, spread awareness, and you wrote a song that you want to share. Are, are you going to play Benja's guitar? She has her own guitar. Oh, you have your own guitar. I, I actually have mine here. Okay. Um... um yeah, so I actually wrote the lyrics to this song um, in 2015 when I was still living in Costa Rica when I very first heard about the possibility of um, the San Onofre burying nuclear waste on the beach. She's putting on her headphones now. I'm narrating. <laughs> and... Um, What's the name of the song? Um, well, I just call it um, Don't Let the Cali Coastline Die. Mm. And uh, you guys will all recognize the tune, which I borrowed from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And so if any of them are listening... <laughs> Don't sue us. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, that would be great publicity for the cause if you wanted to sue me for taking the, uh, the tune. Um, but more like if anyone's listening from the Chili Peppers, uh, I know that you love the ocean as much as we do. So um, if you'd like, you can, you can stand with us then. Spread the message and spread the truth. Don't 
the Cali coastline die. Centuries in our descendants weep for ocean creatures they will never see. Whales and dolphins and seals they cry, don't let the Cali coastline die. Don't let the Cali awesome <laughs> i love that thank you <laughs> taking the cord run from red hot chili peppers um well that about finishes it up for us we're going to play a song out thank you so much thank you to all of our guests thank you larissa thank you, charles thank i i can't remember everybody's name but i am super nina. thankful yeah no, nina erica nina, bob erica, larissa bob. charles <laughs> and, and ben. benj and you don't know, remember karen no karen is that right i, I got that right all right We'll see you all next week on Awakening Code Radio. Thank you for joining us.
This is Admin Colleen, and you're listening to Awakening Code Radio with host Eric Rankin. You can find Awakening Code Radio on iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And free podcasts are always available at kx935.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.